welcome to 15 days of festive fear day number 10 and i have two spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from february the 8th 2021 and story number one comes from mona as a child and a teenager i would dream of things that would happen most of the time they weren't anything interesting but a very few times they were quite profound sometimes they carried a message or a warning For example, on the night my grandmother had a stroke, I dreamt she was being carried away in an old-fashioned funeral wagon. She survived, but that in itself was miraculous. When she died years later, I was ridden with guilt, because the last time I saw her, she told me it would be the last time that I would see her, and I, being a teenager, told her not to say things like that, and that I would see her the next time, which never came. Two months later, I reunited with my father, who lived elsewhere in the world and couldn't attend the funeral. When I was in his room, I heard my name being called by my grandmother. This happened once, and only once, and was clear as day. It didn't scare me, and it happened way too fast to realise that it didn't make sense. When I went downstairs for dinner, my dad looked shaken by something. When I finally pried it out of him, He told me he heard Grandma say his name earlier in the day in a different part of the house. This experience made me feel comfort and even forgiveness. I think it was the same for my dad, who felt guilty about not being able to go to the funeral. I thought to note my grandmother had never been to this country and neither did I before this occurrence. Years later, I was summoned to court because of a typo in the system. Long story short, The courthouse was near where my grandparents used to live. After the case closed, I started following my gut, which was insistent that these were the roads of my very, very early childhood. I shouldn't have remembered any of this, but I did, and I ended up by a cemetery. I was certain this was the one where my grandparents were buried. Again, this was all gut feeling before Google Maps and sat-navs. When I got there, I looked around, hoping to come across their graves. But some time had passed, and I was about to give up. When I apologised out loud for not being able to find them, I looked down and discovered that I had stopped exactly on their graves. I truly felt this was so much more than coincidence, considering the strange circumstances that brought me to them in the first place. When I was young, my father being a wise ass and his friend brought a Ouija board into the house, specifically the basement, and decided to mess around with it, drunkenly joking around with the intention to contact extraterrestrials. When my mom came home and found out about it, she was livid. She wanted it out. Me, being traumatised from Jumanji, repeated that we had to finish the game. There was a goodbye, after all, before packing it up. Mom didn't care. She wanted it out. Weird things happened in the house after this. I don't know if it has anything to do with the board itself, but it coincided with its timing. At night, I felt like something was in the room and swore I saw shadow people between my bed and my sister's. My dog growled at the basement door and would scratch and scratch at the children's gate that kept her in the kitchen overnight trying to get away from something. I always snuck down the hallway to free her and keep her in my room because I was just as scared. Things would go missing in the house, just to show up in the weirdest of places. And one day, a massive clock in the kitchen, which had always been there, ended up in the middle of the floor in a gigantic crash with glass everywhere 
while the entire family were in the living room. Another time I was in the shower. When I opened the door to get out, I was met with an eye level with mine. It made no sense, but I saw it. Of course, I bolted out screaming. Then one morning, my mother claimed something was lying on top of her, keeping her from screaming, let alone moving. I know this could have been sleep paralysis, but she and nurse swore that it wasn't. A priest soon came to our house to bless it with holy water, and things seemed to have stopped, although I never stopped thinking about it. One time when I went to Edinburgh, we went on a tour that included the Mackenzie Poltergeist's mausoleum. I smugly thought myself exempt from the many stories told about people getting bruised and scratched going in there, because I wasn't going to go inside. I felt like I would be fine just sticking my camera inside and taking a flash photograph. The next morning, I woke up in my hotel bed with blood all over my pillows from a spontaneous nosebleed. Something that never happened to me before then. Another time in Norfolk, we were visiting the ruins of an old priory. It was near to Halloween and near to closing time. I had a strong feeling not to go inside the church we were heading to, but we needed the toilets before the long drive back. While we were inside, we may as well have a look around the nave, right? Well, I barely made it two or three pews before feeling I couldn't go on any further. It was so oppressive and intense, and we were absolutely alone in the dark. My husband made it further than me, past the organ, towards the altar, and then he too stopped. Above us, we heard clear as day heavy footsteps on a wooden floor. But when we looked up, there was nothing to walk on. I expected to see a security guard closing up or something, but there was no jangle of keys or locking of doors. We were completely alone. Then my husband turned and looked at me as if to say, right, we're off. He wouldn't talk to me on the way back to the car or in the car until we were far enough for him to feel comfortable with me to share that something had passed through him. That it felt heavy and cold, like chain mail had been dropped on him. And as it passed through, it felt something like when you're watching a horror movie and the focus is being pulled in and out with dread. It turns out there was a monk who went mad there, and upon his death, he was buried in chains. I used to work in a Victorian hotel on the coast with three floors and a basement. When I was on reception, I heard little footsteps running above my desk very early in the morning, like 6 or 7 a.m. It was winter, our slowest season, which meant that barely anyone was in the hotel. It didn't take long to figure out that there were no children staying with us. Another time when I was housekeeping on the top floor, I was cleaning a family suite, which is two rooms in one unit. When I was vacuuming one room, I felt like something was in the other. And when I went to that room, whatever it was, went back to the room that I was just in. In the next room, I started vacuuming again, when I heard my name being called. I shut off the vacuum. No one was there. Then I started again, heard my name again. I shut off the vacuum thinking, how could I hear something so clearly with all of that noise? It sounded like my colleague, but she wasn't around. The rooms on the top floor are the biggest, so there isn't a lot of rooms up there to hide into to begin with. Later on, I went down to the basement where the laundry gets done and my colleague looked annoyed at me. I asked her what was wrong. 
She wanted to know why I kept calling her name in one of the rooms on the second floor. But I didn't. One time I dreamt of my friend from high school out of nowhere. It had been 18 years since we last spoke. In the dream, we were walking through a high school type building and it was passing time. So everyone was running everywhere, trying to grab all their books and stuff. My friend told me she had a lot of fun hanging out with me and our mutual friends. I told her I did too. But I thought it was strange that she was telling me this, because in the dream it still felt like we were still in the same time period when we were friends. She had to catch a car and I had to catch a bus. We passed a room that was cordoned off and we dared each other to go in. We were promptly found and booted out. We were told we weren't allowed to go in there yet. We ran away laughing. She got into the car waiting for her and I got onto a bus and then I woke up. I thought it was really weird. So I googled my old friend to find out that she had died. In the following days, this was the end of October 2020, going into November 2020, a friend of mine said her mother had a dream about her deceased father, who wanted her to relay a message about something neither of them knew about, but actually turned out to be true. Another friend had a series of synchronicities occur that she attributed to her late husband, and my own husband dreamt of his deceased grandmother. Finally, the most profound experience I had relates to a friend I made when I first moved to the UK. He was always talking about quantum physics, Pi, Einstein, synchronicity and the like. We fell out pretty badly and I said a lot of things that I didn't mean. Years passed. Then one day Facebook told me it was his birthday and his wall told me he had died. Everything came rushing back, especially guilt and the last things that I said. I was too stricken by grief to do anything about it until March 14th. Coincidentally, Pi Day, when I was able to meet with a friend to talk about it. I told her everything and nearly broke down when the song came on in the cafe that made me think of him. At the same time, I said, I wish I could tell him everything that I told her. Well, a massive group of people entered the cafe and sat behind us. They were told the cafe was closing in half an hour and they were okay with that. One person entered way after them and the group responded with the name of my friend over and over. So long that I had enough time to point it out to my friend. The phrase was interesting too. Jay is here. Jay is here. Jay is here. My friend properly freaked out and heard there was a song playing at the bar. She asked the bar what the name of the song was and the song was called Passing By and the lyrics were a perfect response to everything I just said. The next week, my friend wanted to check in on me. We went to a pub where a band happened to be playing cover songs. My friend told me she couldn't believe what had happened the week before and asked me to ask for another sign. I shared my scepticism. She told me to ask for another song, something that reminded me of him. I told her Chelsea Dagger and hummed the song in her ear when she said that she didn't know it. There was no way the band could hear me over their own playing and that exact song played a couple of songs later. I was amazed, but also sceptical. It's a popular song after all. Weird things started to happen. I started a new job and my first client had his exact first name and last name. Then a picture of Albert Einstein appeared above the desk I usually claim in the open office. 
then a mug with his obscure hometown's rugby team appeared next to the printer and no one knew where it came from. A couple of months later, I eventually made the journey to his same hometown and paid my respects to my friend. I picked flowers from his favourite forest and put them on his grave. I was shocked to find out that he died on the 7th. I apologised to him about not finding bringing any daffodils as they represent both his birth month and his nationality. I was a month too late. Out of nowhere, a bunch of fake daffodils tumbled down the hill and landed near me. I couldn't believe it, but I left them on his grave too. A week later, I got into a car that was tuned into a mainstream radio station. I did not expect it to play Lay Some Flowers on My Grave by Blind Willie McTell, apt lyrics once again. Nor did I expect the person driving to be more interested in turning it up than talking at us as they usually did. On the way back home from a disappointing finale of Game of Thrones, I walked past a car. Hanging from the rearview mirror was a skeleton and a daffodil. A few months later, I had my final dream of him. He was with me and my family in a Chinatown-like restaurant serving foods that you wouldn't really find there. My mom was talking about Filipino recipes. He was distracted by something. We went outside. There were protests around federal-looking buildings and statues. He told me he had to go and I knew that he was dead and we hugged goodbye. I told him I would miss him and I woke up. Overnight, my mother, who doesn't normally text, just happened to send me Filipino recipes overnight. And then 2020 happens. Although I've been receptive to many little signs of comfort during very interesting moments since then, nothing was more profound than a hometown friend of his, whom I met just once, doing an event at the venue next to my flat, hundreds of miles across the country. I couldn't ignore the sheer chances of this and reached out, and I was gifted closure. This last story takes place in New Jersey back in the 2000s before smartphones were a thing. It was at an inlet, and on both sides of the inlet there were car parks. The cars parked there, facing each other across the water. At night it was a popular place to be to collect your thoughts, or, if you were under 30, hang out with your friends, usually with music blasting. One night I was there with a friend who had just broken up with my other friend. We were talking about it in the car when a weird light caught our attention. At first I thought it was a headlight, because cars commonly flash each other across the water. But then we realised there was no car to trace it back to. Our next thought was that it was some kind of searchlight or flashlight beaming across the water. We watched, confused, but saw it glide up and down the car park across the water, and then come back the way it came over the water and then it went up the street leading to the car park, and then it appeared again, over the buildings that lined the car park. Weird, we thought. Then it started coming our way towards our car park. The closer it came, the more we realised it was orb-like, not a flat projection, but three-dimensional. We thought it was someone's weird toy until it dipped into the water without making a splash, and came back up with another orb just like it. They made weird movements and formations, no matter where they ended up, they were parallel to each other, flying in the same direction at the same pace. We watched them float over the inlet, all the way down to the end of the car park, towards a small island and then come back. It was like they were playing a game of cat and mouse. When they came back, they went down into the water again and a third orb came up with them, 
as if they were all on the same string being pulled up. At this point, everyone was getting out of their cars. We were all standing there watching and asking each other what we were looking at. The three lights formed triangles that would break apart and reform in different orders, but no matter where they went, they remained parallel and equidistant to each other. They didn't make a single noise. Then after a while, they shot off back towards the island and went further beyond, out of sight. Those synchronicities are so strange and I've never experienced them personally, but I've known lots of people who have lost people and experienced those sort of weird synchronicities with like music, just events, with numbers, with things like that. And I find it so bizarre. And I also think, you know, whatever whatever people think of it, if it gives you closure, that's that's the main thing, right? I did not like the names being called. Deceased grandmother, I'm okay with that. But in the hotel, what what was that? That was just bizarre. No way is that okay. And also hated the bonus UFO story. Couldn't, yeah, you'd love to be able to say that was just car headlights. That was just something that happened, you know, that was that was reflections on the water, whatever. No, it sounds like whatever these things were, they were going in and out of the water and doing all that stuff. And it also sounds like it was in a time before drones. And because I think a lot of a lot of the times any UFO experiences get blamed on drones or some some sort of equipment or technology. And uh, that does not sound like that. And story number two comes from Lily. I've been a victim of sleeping disorders all my life, sleep paralysis included, but I'm now 31 years old and have not had a sleep paralysis episode since leaving my hometown in Minnesota three and a half years ago. I did have one paranormal dream experience though, shortly after my grandfather on my father's side unexpectedly passed away from a heart attack in 2016. I should say that I never remember my dreams, unless they are in some way traumatic, although even then I will typically forget details within a few days. My life was quite chaotic at the time, as my marriage was on its way to divorce. I was unemployed and would visit my grandparents who lived in the next town quite frequently. It was a Thursday in June, and my grandparents had just returned from their winter home in Mississippi a few weeks prior. It was only around the third time I had seen them that year, since they had just returned home. It was a typical visit. We ordered pizza for lunch, enjoyed watching some British comedy on TV. After lunch, my grandfather went out to mow the yard and I left to return home shortly after, as my husband was impatient for me to come back. I said my goodbyes. Although I didn't give my grandpa a hug, I only said, I love you, see you next week. After I got home, my husband and I went for a walk, leaving our cell phones at home. About 10 minutes into the walk, I felt like something was wrong. I was worried about not having our phones on us, but I brushed it off as I have generalised anxiety anyway and figured I was just being dramatic. When we arrived home about an hour later, we both had many missed calls and text messages. My grandfather had suffered a major heart attack while mowing the lawn earlier that day and he passed away. The first call from my family came in about five minutes after the official time of death and it was around the time that I started feeling anxious during my walk. I'm convinced that I felt him leave this world, I just didn't know how to process it. These days, when I have anxiety for no reason, I'm frantically calling my family to make sure that everyone is okay, as I no longer live near them. When I finally got hold of my mother that day, 
I learned my whole family was at the local hospital emergency room saying their goodbyes. I got there as quickly as I could to go and console my father, grandmother and rest of the family. I was very close to my grandparents, as I was one of the only grandchildren that regularly visited them. As I mentioned before, my life was quite chaotic at this time, so I went into overdrive trying to take care of my grandmother, my father and my family. It was exhausting, but I handled setting up the funeral a few days later, stayed with my grandma so she didn't have to be alone for a few nights and was generally my family's rock for a couple of weeks. I was thankful I wasn't working at the time and was able to do as much as I did for them. One night, I don't recall if this was before or after the funeral, but it was very shortly after Grandpa passed away. He came to me in a dream. I remember him slowly materialising in front of me, backed by white light. He was dressed in his usual blue jeans and a t-shirt and his Velcro tennis shoes. He was still the age that he passed away at and looked really happy. He simply said, do not be afraid. And then I woke up. As I mentioned, I typically do not remember my dreams past a few days, but this one has never left my memory. I remember it as vividly as if it happened last night. I can't say for sure if it was just my brain trying desperately to convince myself that I really would be okay due to the imminent divorce and grief of losing a grandparent, or if Grandpa really did come to me. But I can tell you that it definitely did not feel like an episode of sleep paralysis. By that time, I was very familiar with it, and this one wasn't the same. Even though I'm not particularly religious, those four words have kept me going in the past three years. I found the courage to move away from my small Minnesota hometown, my family and my support system in 2017 to pursue a life in Colorado. Then in 2019, a series of events took me to North Carolina, where I now live with my boyfriend. I miss my family terribly, especially my grandmother, as we became even close since my grandfather's passing. In the months following his death and prior to my departure from Minnesota, I was the primary caretaker of my grandmother and I would continue to visit her many times a week, every Thursday included. To this day, I either email or call her on Thursdays, and it breaks my heart to be so far from her, especially now, during the pandemic. But I take comfort in believing that she will see Grandpa again someday, even if I don't necessarily buy into the whole religion thing. I do still believe in energy, souls and spirits though, and I think some people are just more open or closer to the veil, or however you want to describe it. I think that spirits and energy are all around us and they have the ability to interact with people, if that person is capable of interaction. My boyfriend is a die-hard skeptic, but I think his soul is younger than mine and he's not yet ready to receive that energy. He has also not yet really experienced death the way I have. I've been with three family members as they passed, and I think that can push one closer to the veil. I wanted to tell you one more quick story about my grandfather. He was an exceptional engineer who could fix anything, build anything, and came up with innovative ways to get a job done. About a week before his death, my parents were replacing a fence at their house and were having a terrible time trying to get the old metal fence posts out of the ground. My grandfather modified a trailer jack to pull them out for us. That was the kind of guy he was. He always had a solution that most could never find. My mother has a peacock figurine that has round crystals dangling from the tail attached by hooks. The figurine belonged to her mother, who passed away in 2014, 
and has been sitting on her curiosity shelf for some time. When she got the figurine from her mother, one crystal was missing. I believe we did find it somewhere and put it in a drawer for safekeeping. However, nobody ever got around to fixing it. Until one morning, shortly after my grandpa's passing, my mother woke up and the peacock figurine was whole. The missing crystal had been replaced. She sent me a picture of it. I'd seen the figurine with the missing piece just days prior and we were discussing how to fix it but we never got around to it. She asked me when I fixed it, as my dad had no knowledge of it, and I told her I didn't. To this day we can't figure out how it got fixed, but we like to think it was Grandpa, fixing just one more thing for us. My stories might not be the most terrifying supernatural experiences you've heard, but I'm okay with that. I would rather have my grandpa watching over me than see shadow people any day. Hey, I totally agree with that. I would rather not see shadow people either. Like, if I had the choice between grandparent watching over me and a shadow person, I'd take grandparent watching over me any, any single day. And it does sound like he's watching over you. And I would like to think that he's fixing shit that you can't fix. That'd be amazing. That What an amazing way to haunt your family by fixing things that they haven't got around to fixing yet or they don't know how to fix incredible thank you so much to mona and lily for sending in your stories remember the last story came from february the 8th 2021 if you would like to send in your story you can do so by emailing it to real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com you can also check out our website real life ghost stories podcast.com and on that note i shall see you tomorrow